0: Nate, you were talking about uh, the comments on German YouTube videos in Denglish.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just more that, like, if you know, if you follow anything with like German music at all or like sort of German rap culture, there's so much English that gets incorporated, but using German grammar, and it can be very, very funny. I went and looked up uh, one of the German rap songs that I know, the song Mein Block by Seto, which is from like the mid 2000s, Hmm. and it's become like a German hip hop classic at this point. Uh, But one of the comments, On the bottom, if I remember correctly, the guy said, "Mit diesem Shit hat der Boy der ganze Game gechanged." Like, what the fuck is this? This Is what Brexit took from us. (laughs) We
0: could, we could have been, we could have slowly merged English and German into an official, like, single, um wonderful language where you could end a, a, a sort of a know, sentence this, yeah. with a phrase like pimp und schwag. And you know, <laughs> here we are now. Yeah. You, know, you
2: know, you have those guys who are just like, if it wasn't for Churchill, like we'd always be speaking German right now. Well, fuck Churchill, because actually that would have like been sick. And if we could have had weird German uh, English rap,
3: then uh, it would have all been worth it. Only the language, not the politics. Trying to arrange it so that we get the Kaiserreich timeline where we lose the First World War and we end up speaking <laughs> German that way.
1: I mean, I do remember that there was, uh, there was a line, I'm, I'm not going to quote it verbatim, but in that song, Mein Block, where it's something to the effect of like, I'm Fierzig in Stahlkattin' Caroline studio. I
2: wrapped on mock traps <laughs> and off the beats <laughs> von Coolio. And it's just like...
3: <laughs> you don't
1: really have so to speak awesome. German to Yeah, you'd,
2: you'd, you'd have Nadine Dorries doing her weird TikTok rap, but it'd be in hybrid German-English. And I think that'd be very funny. That'd be awesome. Hmm. Milo and I have now, because Milo doesn't
1: speak German, but he's been to Berlin enough times that he's just sort of gotten used to hearing this, that uh, I have actually <laughs> seen people post stuff that basically is like, Yeah, kind of saga. Abubus ex low key off some gay shit, and it's just like (laughs) I can't believe that this is meant to be taken seriously.
2: In in the mid two thousands, I can't remember who like. Who the artist was, but um, there was like this Muslim rapper who like was very popular in the UK among kind of like British Muslims, and but he was from like he lived in Denmark, so it was like a mixture of like Palestinian Arabic, Danish, and English, and it was just very funny because you sort of have like I have no idea if like the Arabic and the Danish like work together, but you'd have these like Danish words I'm not which I'm not going to try like reproduce, but then every so often you just have things like fuck the police in English, and it just be it'd be very it was very (laughs) it was very funny. I, I was worried
1: or I was kinda of laughing internally. I didn't want to make a joke that would just be like full on me me picking on Hussein in a way that sounds like it could anyway come across as like intolerant, but I was gonna be like, Oh yeah, I remember the guy who did Dirty Kufar. That was a great song. <laughs> it was actually it was a very
2: good song. I actually like look, look, I I it's was a- it's a banger, man. I, Seriously. I like, enjoyed Dirty Kuffar. Um, I got into trouble. Like I had a CD and the CD, cause like my friend like made a copy of it for me, except he wrote on the CD, Dirty Kuffar. Um, so when a teacher found it and this teacher like, you know, bear in mind that this teacher was not like, you know, didn't keep it discreet. Went to the class and was just like, so uh, what does it mean? Uh, what, what is Dirty Kuffar exactly? Um, uh, uh, Have you uh, brought enough for the whole class? That's right. What? That's right. And, like, I- yeah. i got this, this really
1: great video you guys should watch. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, because like, at the end of the video, there was a fucking beheading, wasn't there? Jesus No, Christ. at the
1: end of the video, he says, like, we're going to take him over like we took over the shot, like we
2: took down the <laughs> Twin Tower. And then, like, it's, it was 9-11 and everyone's this, laughing. That, that, was not, that, that, was, that was another one of those viral songs where at the end there was a beheading and it was just like... And it, there's it, definitely yeah. some violence. Yeah. Like, there was a person getting, like, obviously shot yeah, to yeah.
1: death in the video and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's, it's pretty... And then obviously ISIS or proto ISIS, Al Qaeda doing monkey bars shit, like, you know, like in the ISIS gym. but um, Sim- Simpler times, man. Yeah.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Now, you True know. True you- medium of cultural exchange, European hip hop. Well, now the problem mm-hmm. is, is that production value is too
2: good, right? Cause like, I think one mm. of the appeals of Dirty Cathar was just that it was all really grainy and like, it was like this mishmash of like, and it was definitely made on like what, I don't know, it was before Final Cut Pro, but you know, like Windows XP, like the, the default like video editor, yeah, right? Windows it Windows Movie Maker, yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah, right?
1: yeah with, with, with some animations of Tony of Tony Blair turning into a pig
2: <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, and the, was, yeah and the problem is, is that production value is just too good now. Um, mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. why like you won't, it won't ever have the same impact.
0: Um, I t- I like the idea though that you could get like what you essentially had was what like jihadist pen and pixel, yeah, basically <laughs> very yeah. amusing. So like instead, because what was the kid in the No Limit Empire who had the little Bentley made for him, like the oh, Bentley go kart? I don't
1: remember. I don't remember. Yeah, get,
0: like, get that, but like get like a, a Power Wheels that's a Hilux with the gun yes. on the back of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool.
3: Uh, so hi everyone. Uh, it's TF. Um, podcast about. Uh, sort of '90s bootleg hip hop or '2000s yeah. bootleg '2000s, hip-hop. yeah. Because yeah. I was
1: in I was in university i remember seeing that shared around on forums, and you were supposed to be like, "Oh, isn't this horrible?" And I was like, "Actually, this song is good." <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs> um, uh, and, and those forums, uh, could it? Would it? Was it Lasse Fair? Was it Light Fighter? Who knows? Lasse
1: Fair wasn't around yet. It was general no. bullshit on the something awful forums. That's I do right. remember that <laughs> because I am officially old.
3: <laughs> um, yeah. I was talking it, to it, Alice. It, it is 2005. You you are listening to a banger about how the West will be converted to Islam by any means necessary. You have four tabs open of like, well, tabs hadn't been invented. You had yet. Four you windows have four, open. You have four windows. Yeah, you have four windows open uh, where you're googling like Zuton saxophone player feet. Uh, this, is, this is the best your life is ever going to
0: be. <laughs> I remember at that time, I had one computer for forums and one computer for World of Warcraft. My <laughs> life has gotten a lot better since then.
3: Yeah, because the two different kinds are going on the computer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but hi, everyone. This is, this is a podcast. It's the podcast you're listening to right now. Uh, it's TF, uh, and we're recording a free episode uh, a week it's in advance. It's the free one. God <laughs> oh, damn it.
3: <laughs> Deputized. Milo is out, having been taken out by the forces of Islam.
0: Yeah, no, Milo, Milo is on a secret mission uh, to um, go he's, and he's bring... He's been hired
3: by,
1: by uh, Pfizer to test the efficacy of a new anti-diarrhea medicine, but first he has to get the worst <laughs> diarrhea of his life.
0: Uh, no, So it's, uh, it's, it's TF, it's the free one. We're recording it a week early because Riley is about to go on holiday, uh, and I'm going to be uh, taking some well-earned time off, uh, having fun in the sun, um, that's right. I'm going, uh, to, I'm going to Afghanistan, uh, as a trip uh, a that I'm just tour. doing myself. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then I'm going to go get elected mayor of South Bend.
3: Mm.
1: Um, sounds great make sure you take a photo of yourself holding an ar-15 with the weirdest overhand grip you've yeah. ever seen in your life <laughs> uh, a grip that if you were to swing the rifle up to the high ready you would throw your, your the crook of your elbow over your own eyes <laughs> uh that's the pete Buttigieg promise right there yeah it's, it's i'm just ready telling to you i'm gonna demonstrate or it or to you on uh, here and maybe Hussein and, and Alice, you can see this on the camera, Riley in front of me. Mm. Pete Buttigieg is holding his rifle in such a way that he's basically holding his right hand on the pistol grip with his finger over the trigger well and his left hand is over he's got the, his elbow over the barrel and he's holding it that way. So if he were to swing it up to the high ready as I'm gonna demonstrate, he would do
3: <laughs> Yeah, so
1: he so, he, so he's, so he's Yeah.
2: Serious. So he's holding the gun in the same way that Lil Wayne like held a guitar
3: like back in those
2: those years <laughs> when he was like <laughs> playing oh, guitar really for deep. some reason. This is two thousand. So that's actually the special episode. kind
3: of like gun holding that you unlock when you prestige the regular kind. <laughs> and it's it, it's like no scoping. You know, you get, you know, some extra sort of I
1: I just I just here's the thing, right? Like I know I'm not enough of a gun guy. I'm not a gun guy at all. I don't care about guns at all. I just happen to use one particular gun in training a lot. But it's like when you look at that photo, the sort of authentocrat for democrats who's like see i i I did my time in the salt mines fucking for empire and now uh now i can i can prove that this is why ar-15s belong killing people in afghanistan but not on our streets but then you post this photo of yourself in such a way that like it looks as though you have come to earth as an alien and you'd be like oh is this a weapon how does one conjure this
3: and just hold it in the strangest way possible like he has he has like sweated through turf bangs And a Kubrick (laughs) stare in that photo. It's the most. He's sitting on a folding chair. It's so weird. I don't know why I thought of of
0: that Pete Buttigieg photo, but as soon as I said I was going on holiday, it just popped into my mind, bidden from nowhere, coming up from deep file storage. But look, I've got some stuff to talk about today.
3: There are some items, yeah, some doings the, we have... Got the, we got the Zootons, we're going to yeah. talk about Los Campesinos for a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to
0: talk about how, uh, how the, the David Geta album, Geta Blaster. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've got a few things. Uh, look, the the main development in uh, local, lo, yeah, you know, local Britain, local news, beep, 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 that I want to talk about is... Um, Sorry, is it the nonce detector? Yeah. <laughs> That's the local news detector. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Two detectors you don't want to get mixed up. <laughs> You know, this is the the local news detector is going going crazy, uh, which is that essentially what is now happening it, all across sort of the uh, the sort of the broader West Britain, New Zealand, Canada, the States, et cetera, et cetera, um, is that trends in shoplifting have been radically changing for the last year. People are uh, going Jean Valjean modes and uh, somewhat. Yes, Alice, uh, yeah. where it's it's it said usually statistically this is from the grocer, the grocery industry's trade publication that i Sometimes read that you religiously subscribe to. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I like the funnies in the grocer. <laughs> I um, used they to just pick off of the I grocery mean, store related far I, I very grocery. briefly
2: worked at their competitor magazine, like back in back in the day. Uh, uh, the green grocer. No, not the green grocer. Uh, it was called. Uh, oh fuck! well I mean, I the, the company that like published it was called New Trade.
3: Uh so anytime, I, anytime the grocer does like a transphobic editorial, they're always like, oh, it's the Sunday grocer. It's got a different editorial board. <laughs> yeah, I was actually
2: yeah. the reactionary columnist of the Grocer. <laughs> you know, uh, O'Neill of the I'm grocer. just imagining like
1: a like, like a lifestyle brand magazine for people who work in corner shops called Cornerist or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that
2: yeah. yeah, so yeah, so there was so there was called so uh, I used to work for this place called the Retail Express, which was basically V like a uh, competitor paper that was designed specifically for news agents. And I got in via nepotism, which is to say that one of the reporters came to my parent's shop looking bored out of his mind. And I was at journalism school at the time and I had been rejected from a, uh, internship at the observer. So I was just like, Hey, I'm starting journalism school next week. And I really need something. Can I like join your paper? And he was just like, yeah, I don't care. How many he just left. Um, and that's how, <laughs> and that's how, uh, that's how, uh, I got my stuff, my career retail. Also, this is
3: also how I got on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you basically, you're like, look.
0: It's not easy to get a foot in the door in journalism. I had to work at the grocer.
3: <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> it was a
2: competitor. We were less reactionary. And also, crucially, we had less money. So we couldn't have, like, the fucking
3: Brendan You, you, know, you were hungry. You were underdogs. Yeah, I did. Know? I did a lot. You're doing real journalism.
2: That's right. I, I did I did a very big story about a change of price of cigarettes, which, may, which got four complaints. Uh... <laughs> sorry so so, so here's the here's the subject i just
1: love the idea of tacky writing an article about how like the nazis actually had the best mister sprays for green produce
0: (laughs) so uh this is but they in the past uh people would usually steal stuff like booze and razors and, and all this but essentially now the grocer is saying that the with the cost of living these choices are getting different and uh essentially uh, we have a return, which it's, it, it was at multi-decade lows of the activity
3: of stealing to eat rather than stealing yeah, to sell what on. What you might loosely call like crimes of subsistence or of yeah. survival.
0: And, and the thing I wanted to bring up here is that 7.3 million adults in Britain skipped meals or went without food for a day due to costs. Like this is, that's like fully more than 10% of the population, if the population is about 60, 60 70 million, that's just adults, yeah. uh, which is astonishing. Um, and then, but, and, and so we, and, and this is the point where now we've seen images, uh, I've seen images at least, Ah, uh, sort of reading sort of various sort of trade publications because that's where a lot of a lot of the stuff that you yeah, just gross is... the grocer on Sunday well, it, one of the real reasons I tend to read trade publications is it's the people in those industries writing and talking for one another. It's kind of the same reason I read the f t. It's just like no, you have to just get the information out. um and so this was one analyst, ah uh, Shore Capital, quoted in the Grocer said that police and courts are essentially unable to cope uh, as the temptation to shoplift is likely to grow for some. But yeah, so we've seen now, um. Uh, like individual chocolate bars or whatever in the same kind of like plastic um, like, like armored security packaging that you would see like, um, you know, fucking razors in yeah. at this point. And very that's only being applied to, to more foods. All you foods. have to do
3: is get a little like neodymium magnet and pretty much any of these security packaging just pops right open just for the yeah. record. Um, yeah yeah but I mean, so we've systematically defunded the criminal justice system, which is not just the police but also the courts, to the extent that um like whether they want to or not uh you know enforce the law on shoplifting for for these sort of uh crimes of desperation uh it's it's sort of immaterial anyway yeah.
0: and and the strange thing is, and this is sort of what i'm I'm driving at here right is that we have number one this Again, I, I, we this I, the, return to kind of the um the bad old days, if you will. Whether it's Victorian diseases, sort of power cuts like the seventies, uh, mm-hmm. th- confusing met uh, imperial system, um, <laughs> with all of this return to the bad old days. The vibe um, shift—it's real, and yeah. it's coming. But that um is <clears throat> essentially that that it's it's so driven from the top, right? Where um, for example, like as, as you were saying, Alice, like. Whether or not they, they want to, uh, they police uh, police uh, uh, police chiefs are now saying, "Can we?" Uh, we're basically saying, "Look, we're if we see someone stealing to eat, we're going to try to not prosecute them to the full extent of the law,"
3: which yeah, was which is, again, which is like on, on the face of it, uh, both very embarrassing. Uh, that the Conservatives would outflank the cops from the right. Uh, But, you know, you can sort of say, oh, this is a nice thing about British liberalism is that it allows this kind of, like, uh, you know, moral compass and the parochialism of the local chief constable to be like, uh, actually, I don't want to enforce that law. But... It doesn't matter. It's an irrelevance because even if you had your, your your James Anderson or whoever who was like, "No, I, uh, actually, I think if you take a chocolate bar off the shelf and walk out without paying, you should be shot." Um, it, it doesn't fucking matter if you don't if you can't do it if you don't have the budget to to provide for that, which none of them do. So,
0: but what what Kit Malthouse has said, the policing minister, is he said, "No, all of the laws have to be enforced completely." No. Yeah, yeah, no, all the laws have to be enforced evenly. Um, because this is, because he says justice should be blind and by lowering the crime rate by prosecuting people stealing to eat, you will somehow magic... This is what he actually said. By lowering the crime rate by prosecuting people stealing to eat, you will improve the economic prospects of an area because crime drives down prosperity, that's, not the other that, way around.
3: That, that's exactly the kind of thing that you get when you have a policing minister, when you have a job that is like relatively unempowered to do anything except chase statistics, which is like... Actually, one of the ways in which you can make an already bad model of policing much worse mm-hmm. is to try and like do predictive policing or targeted policing based on statistics. Mm-hmm. Um and, and so so all you can do is just this kind of like numbers chasing, this kind of red meat. And it it's it's so irrelevant because nobody has the uh the police officers to go and arrest somebody for shoplifting nobody has and and if they are arrested then they won't be prosecuted if they are prosecuted they won't go to court because at every stage there's this attritional aspect of austerity where there's no police left because we can't pay for them there's no lawyers left because we can't pay for them either uh, all of the courts are backlogged through for the next 5 years and we're closing half of the courtrooms anyway and, um, and
0: that's i think it's also not to say that like
3: that it it would be it would be
0: better that they were i mean no, of no course wait, this not. is
3: yeah i'm I'm, it, I'm just saying that this is this is not something this is not a choice right this is something that has been imposed as a consequence of austerity
1: well i'll give you another example of this that's just related to the the british state in general um because i'm in the process of trying to get my british driver's license booking a, a test a road test takes months right now because there's an enormous backlog and their solution Is well during COVID, we limited testers to doing six tests a day, but now we're going to take it back up to seven tests a day. But there's still a backlog of millions of people. Or similarly for visas, when they added in the Ukraine family scheme, like which is responding to an emergency, they basically said, Oh, yeah, and by the way, we're going to delay everybody else's immigration stuff because we just don't have the capacity for it. And so if you're waiting on immigration capacity right now. So if you're if you're uh if you're waiting on you know spouse visas, student visas, uh settlement visas, you know, all the things you need until you get a british passport and you no longer have to deal with the fucking home office. Like that's all being delayed because the budget's been cut. Uh now granted the home office makes an enormous profit on visas for example, but like none of that's reinvested in the home office it's immoral that they do it but they don't even do it to sustain themselves they just do it to be punitive to be punitive similarly you know they are charging a health surcharge for everyone who gets a visa in this country that's notionally supposed to pay for the NHS even though you pay for the NHS with your income taxes but that money they charge immigrants to renew their visas doesn't go to the NHS it goes to a general fund for parliament so you have all these instances of like the state at capacity or Way, way overstretched, continues to get worse, and it's like that same problem you have with the police, you have with the immigration system, you have with basic things like the drive. Like the immigration system has been mostly privatized in terms of who processes stuff, but even that Mm. completely at capacity. And it's just, it's like anything that requires an interaction with the British state, you realize just how threadbare it is, and how like people are like, oh yeah, that we haven't gone far enough. We need to get rid of more of it, and it's just like what are you going to replace it with? Like, Because even the privatized stuff, like I said, like VFS Global, the private company that handles immigration stuff where you can pay extra to have it expedited through a private company, they can't take any more stuff. They've been shut down by and large because the home office is at capacity.
2: So it's like, um, I, I was going to say, that like, there's like a very good chance I'm not going to be able to go on my honeymoon this year because my passport is still like somewhere in the passport office, um, mm. because of the same things, right? And it's like I phone them every time I phone them up, like bearing in mind that this is you're not really talking to the passport office, you're talking to like a uh, contracted company that does all the phone, like all the sort of like customer facing stuff for the passport office, Um, to the extent where it becomes so absurd that I was calling someone in the passport office while I was inside it, because I couldn't talk to someone who was working in there. A very absurd day, like in Peterborough, um, but it's just like another example of just like, yeah, like these guys can't handle the crisis. And crucially, like a couple of weeks ago, uh, the answer that the government gave to like, you know, the ongoing uh, situation and the fact that like loads of people are like missing, like, you know, important flights and everything was we're going to privatize the passport office even more. So that's good. I,
0: I, I, want, to, I want to focus back on the food issue. right? No,
2: but, but, I, I, but let me just bring it back to that, which is to say that the,
1: the, Britain's dedication to austerity is very strange to me as an american because even though america loves austerity it doesn't love austerity for cops and that's the thing that's very interesting here is that like you have the situation in which you have both austerity cutting economically so bad over the course of the last 12 years that you're now in a situation where like a significant chunk of british people are food insecure you know something like between estimates between 33 and 50% of children in this country live in food poverty like there's so many problems And that's now being manifested here, where literally, like, the cops are saying, well, morally, maybe we shouldn't prosecute these things.
3: There was something that really struck me, which is that the the most recent police federation conference, there was um, a, a young, like, very junior detective who sort of savaged Priti Patel on the basis that to work as a police officer, to work as a, like, starting police officer, she was below the poverty line doing it. And it's like, that's. Not typically the sign of a society that cares about, like, uh, maintaining its own continuity, right? If the people that you get to enforce the law are not, like, you know. It's
0: what we were talking about earlier, right, is that this is, I think, emblematic of the fact that in Britain there are two big machines that are designed to crush you. Well, there's one that's shaped like a cop, which everyone in charge absolutely loves, but doesn't maintain. And then yeah. there's the one that is actually crushing more and more people, which is the fact that there is nothing that there is is, is that things it's are just the are, neglect. Are, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's the it's there. There is the there is this sort of the jackboot of the law that's almost become. I with the exception of big sort of showpiece protests or like just harassing people for like you know oh, sure. being young well, you, you and black get, and you in can the get, street. Like,
3: you can get like the big showpiece things, so you can get like sort of drive by acts of of brutality or, you know, cowardice or neglect or whatever. I think that's also something that's like strangely is also a consequence of defunding is the kind of people who would become cops now, the kind of people who are truly in it for that. Because there's you know, there's no security from it otherwise.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean I think the the food insecurity part comes mo- like the overwhelming majority of people who are in food poverty in this country work. It's just that wages are so low in this country, and have, the wage growth has been so anemic that you know people are earning, in terms of purchasing power, are earning less than they were earning in 2008 in this country. So, like, and food prices have skyrocketed because of of you know supply shocks and inflation, and so now you're in the situation, yeah, where like the co- like I was just I had this this horrible scenario in my head of like. You know, the sort of the cop, the cop as drug dealer thing turned on its head where instead of the cops robbing drug dealers and selling drugs, the cops, you know, harassing shoplifters and taking the food so they can eat. Like, it's just this g- genuinely
0: insane situation. You know, that- you know what you're describing is you're describing Tunisia in 2009. Yeah, yeah that, well, that, that, that worked that, out great. Yeah, and it was. And that and that, but it was. I think the thing to remember is it was food insecurity and an encounter with a heavy handed police I, officer. I, I, I,
3: yeah. I, I just think about the upcoming price rises for most obviously wheat, but uh, there's going to be you know, everything downstream of that, most yeah. likely beef. That's going to be an interesting moment in our history. I'm just
1: imagining how would Good Morning Britain react mm-hmm. to someone immolating themselves after an encounter with the police like what happened in Tunisia. And I'm just imagining them just being like, oh, that's not very green, is it? Yeah. That's not very environmentally I, I, yeah, conscious,
3: is it? I, I, I think the answer is, you, you know, you dox their family, you know, the, yeah. the, the left wing activists. Who? a yeah. uh, Professional self-immolator. He burned himself
2: with wood, and that's actually not sustainable. <laughs> this member yeah. of the public who committed harakiri outside of the uh, Tesco in uh, in Swindon uh, actually is a uh, was a member of the Labour Party in 2007. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. We,
0: we've yeah. we've obtained their their credit card records from Open Banking, and you can actually see that they did in fact buy um, a, a Big Mac rather than the Saver menu. Uh, And so we are going to just assume that food poverty in the country is not a problem. It's, I think it's the, for me, it's the conch, it is the two things of the ability, the the desire of British society to reproduce itself, whether by allowing itself to reproduce in a way that is, say, um, upholds human dignity, for example, by paying people enough to be able to eat, or the other part, which is, well, if we're not going to do that, then we're going to reproduce society through the sheer, you know, jackbooted, um, uh, Imposition of order. And there just seems to be, it, 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 there seems to be yeah, the such Jack a disconnect. The machine yeah. is
3: itself breaking down. Yeah. and it, it. What's really funny is that, like, the amount to which they claim to love it. It's like, oh, I love my car. I drive it everywhere with a handbrake on. And for some reason now <laughs> it's making these weird noises at me,
1: well, Riley. I don't know if you wanted if you wanted to move on on something because there was one point that I was that I wanted to make about this sort of a difference between in the United States. Obviously, they're dealing with similar issues with inflation, with commodity costs, with you know the innov- like lack of availability of things like new cars. You know, groceries have increased in price. Fuel has massively increased in price. Americans love huge fucking trucks and cars that have terrible fuel economy. Um, so you have a situation where you know it was already expensive for someone to fill up their car, truck, whatever, and now it's even more expensive. And the American response has, has by and large, been to say, "Let's go, Brandon," about it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. lose their minds mm-hmm. and blame bl- blame Joe Biden for it for everything, even stuff that's completely exogenous to American politics. But then you also hear in Britain, it seems like that never seems to happen. Instead, it's just more along the lines of like, you know people being like well i can eat this fucking shit for 12 pence a meal and i liked it when i eat fucking you know pigeon droppings so why are these fucking lazy people on benefits not eat shit like me like it's this bizarre sense of i'm all right jack mm. and i'm not saying that the american total psychotic response uh that's obviously egged on by the fact that you have a a non-republican president right now is the right one but i think the extent to which even when you have this very obvious, incredible, stupid situation on the part of the government. They have fucked it. And people seem so unwilling to confront it that way. It's always sort of like, you know, it's always sold or or, or discussed as like an individual failing. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's not really an individual failing when wages haven't gone up. They've actually shrunk in purchasing power in the last 14 years. And overnight people's gas and electric bills doubled, quadrupled in some cases. My power bill went up by a hundred percent. my gas bill went up by two hundred percent overnight on April first, and it's going to go up again in October and like Thanks be to fucking God, I'm great because I I do, I'm basically a professional circus clown and as a result I have income. But like <laughs> I know everyone around us is suffering from this shit. Like and if I if I was even when I first started doing this on my own, when I quit my job and started producing, if I had been hit by a shock like this, I don't know what I would have done. I genuinely don't know what I would have done. I wouldn't have had enough money to pay the bills. Like to, to have your to, to have this stuff happen overnight and you just look at what the way that this is being addressed. Sort of like this moral failing. And it's like, look, man, what, what are you, how am I supposed to morally heat my home? Like, there's only fucking two ways to do it the fucking socket or, you know, the gas, the, 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 the gas boiler.
0: It's the, I think the way I tend to see it is that more than anything else, it is, is that both what you're describing, right? The, the let's go, Brandon stuff or sort of the, the British sort of just systemic winding down of even the um, repressive functions of the state. It's in both senses. It's a form of denial, of of just of of looking at a set of problems that are too comp that are too complicated to solve, or are not the problem you want to solve, and then just solving the problem you feel like solving instead, and then just allowing things to slowly unravel in front of you. Um, and it's it's at this point, I think my my perspective on it, right? I think the one we've been talking about is more like, it is very strange to see a state voluntarily fail, right? because yeah. It, yeah that's that's the strangeness of it right to know to have the playbook for where it goes right and to just see it d- just this be to be entirely self-inflicted whether it's because of and in britain i don't think it's not even because of elite capture necessarily it's just there is it, it's it's I think that in, in the sense of, well, it's not as though the, the British elite had to be subject to capture in order to like systematically starve like you know British people. But I uh, I think that there is a sense of elite disconnection in that even the repressive functions of the state are being allowed to wither because of this very strange phenomenon of total disconnection from and denial of just the reality outside um outside Westminster. That's why it's sort of you come back to this feels very much like the Roman Senate debating, you know, who should be made uh, quaestor or whatever this year, while the
3: Goths are in the city. Hmm. You know,
2: see my Chemical Romance <laughs> in Milton <laughs> Keynes.
3: That's yeah. right. That's right. We should we should have taken this as a sign. Every time <laughs> Goths come back, there's a recession. Well, also, yeah. I well, also, bear in mind that the eighties, yeah. two thousand and eight. Uh, ancient rome
2: now i don't think that the helvetti or the visigoths had an album as good as the black parade i mean i I was also (laughs) going to say that emo like emo music like came out of uh or it sort of like emerged during that kind of weird period between like everyone sort of acknowledging that the iraq war was a failure and like the upcoming recession right so the revival of emo like I, I feel like some smart pants analyst who like does FT like lunch with the FT should have known, but like when emo is coming back, there would be a big problem.
3: Yeah. Doing, doing the like hemline measure of political economy. But instead of that, you're looking at people's fringes. <laughs> right. Although that's that, that can be a statistic
0: that's, that can be confounded with other uh, fringe related beliefs. Um, <laughs>
3: no, I, the, I think- just the fringe on one side is what you're <laughs> Absolutely. measuring. But uh, I so does it's go it's down. Like, look.
0: Mm. it is it is very and, and to see again the other side right of this with the alleged other side of this right well while the, the while one side is sort of so caught up in its fantasies it's not even able to it's not even able to execute the thing that we don't want it to execute but that it wants to execute um the other side is uh or the the other side of the same side Seems to just be every time they go on on these again polished media operators. Unlike the other other generation, cannot stop going on the radio and then just immediately stepping into a bucket and falling down the stairs of being asked a question about trans people and then just basically uh, sputtering a um, sputtering an answer bomb. as though the we're uh, the uh, yeah.
3: smoke bomb now. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I I was you know I'm I'm very hopeful that Australia is the sort of. Death knell for this kind of politics, but on the other hand, Britain is far more deranged about trans people, and it works much better here. So, yeah, uh, yeah,
0: it's a, yeah, unable. The, the, and that's it, just this other this other thing. This thing I th- I keep picking up. This theme is just the inability to collect and process new information. It's just the same kinds of things just repeating over and over again as the outside world slowly gets worse and even the way they want to exercise coercive control over the outside world slowly becomes less able to do that it is very i don't know very with odd sick to building see. syndrome yeah that's right uh, speaking of things with sick building
2: syndrome though
3: um hmm. uh did we uh, well, yeah, remember cool name for like a leftist architecture podcast
2: yeah. <laughs> remember web3 yeah it was a, it was a web for each of the genders
3: uh, yeah, so
0: the uh if we, we remember we all remember web 2 the the promise of uh, uh, oh, you're uh into liberation.
3: Liberation. <laughs> oh you're into web 3 yeah. what's a, a woman, woman. <laughs> yeah web 2 web, we are,
2: web 2 yeah. was when there were guy things and when there were girl things and there was there was a me there was a separation between those. you had the poly pocket forum, and you had something awful now uh web, web for web three is blown about all the i was
3: i was on weird polly pocket in like 2005 it was really foundational to my sense of humor
1: yeah web, web one is the space jam website that's still around web two is web two is the is the interactive website they made for suicide squad web three is that you put on a vr headset to experience the morbius launch event
0: <laughs> and somehow that's highly financialized yeah exactly yeah. so we remember web three right um, yeah, the Morbius have, <laughs> launch event. Yeah, the Mor- we all went to the Morbius launch event. Uh, we right. all bought the special NFT that says we're true Morbius fans. <laughs> and then wouldn't you know it, uh, it turns out that uh, one wallet just bought all the special NFTs and now none of us got to go to the Morbius uh, launch event. It's bullshit. Very sad. It's bullshit. Uh, no, so uh, the I, I have once again done the thing where I have uh, read a, a paper um by uh, Vitalik Buterin, the uh, guy who came up with, uh, well, the guy who with JP Morgan came up with Ethereum, because if you recall, he got mad at World of Warcraft for nurse- nerfing a spell. Uh,
1: Could just, you explain that? Uh, when World of Warcraft was big, I think I was not on the computer that yeah, much. Yeah, I, I,
3: I, was, I was never a World of Warcraft
0: person. So, uh, Vitalik Buterin is the, 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 the founder of Ethereum, and uh, he, again, also with some very big banks, but claimed that he got the idea for Ethereum when some or another ability in World of Warcraft was unilaterally made worse by the, by Blizzard. And then he said, "Ah, the problem is centralization
3: so, because so web yeah. 3.0 is a protest against the mods." Uh, yeah, essentially, yeah. And who who are the Bank of England or the Federal Reserve but the mods of money?
0: <laughs> and um what uh, what I sort of uh thought was was what we, we sort of talked about quite a bit on the show, of course, was that the moment this sort of idea of circumventing the mods by creating a kind of append only database uh, where you could buy and sell, you know, Excel spreadsheet uh, uh, random entries created by a graphics card from one another um, was, of course, that this whole idea of a decentralized art market, of uh, democratizing access to lending through this, of decentralized finance, all that stuff, immediately it became rife with speculation, Ponzi schemes, and pyramid
3: schemes. Uh, yes. It was completely useless right away. It's like there's a bunch of mushrooms on this rotten log.
0: Yeah, I thought they'd be great. <laughs> and so what happened was, right? Um, they said, okay, well, hang on. We need, we need to fix this. We need sure. to We need to have web Web three point one, which was uh c- completely about like decentralized NFTs and getting like loans so you could play a game or whatever. Turned out to be a highly financialized mess that basically. Uh, bankrupted everyone involved except the very early people who were there on top of the pyramid. Hmm. Um, well, speaking of people being bankrupt except, unless they're on top of the pyramid, the founder of Celsius, a uh, stablecoin, has recently said that he's going to airdrop enormous amounts of stablecoins to
3: anyone who puts money in and keeps it there for more than three days. That's really bold to do like the last round of fundraising for your Ponzi scheme like at the point where all of the money is out of the door.
1: So when you says airdrop, does he mean literally like you yeah, get a martial airdrop, planning he's you, like of you, Berlin you,
3: No, no, I mean like, like you
1: have to have a like a Apple iOS device so he can send you a, like an NFT of Jared Leto as the Joker. <laughs> like
0: uh, you know, an airdrop, it's a term in um in, in crypto where for holders of a certain say currency or NFT, they will just know they'll just send more of it to all of the wallet addresses called an airdrop
1: Ah, uh, okay okay i was thinking more about like you're on the subway <laughs> in new york city and you, you, like someone tries to send you a picture of their dick via yeah. airdrop
0: yeah jared leto's yeah, joke He's an ape yeah really exactly. into the pet character so, so basically
3: <laughs> an airdrop from morbius
0: yeah. so if you recall right this is this is what they've done they they ha- they created this system that more or less gave rise to that we've talked about so many different ways in which it fucked up and failed and was incredibly predatory and terrible and you know, it was rife with counterfeiting and all this. Everything about it was awful. And they've said, okay, we need to go back to the drawing board here. Yeah, Web we, 3.2. Yeah, we are going to do Web 3.2, um, where they said, look, Web 3 today centers around expressing transferable financialized assets rather than encoding social relationships of trust and yet many oh, core no. economic oh, activities. No.
3: I, I see immediately what's going to happen here. <laughs> they've, they've realized what, what's, what's a part of a functional banking system, a functional uh-huh. financial system that we need that we don't have is like reputation is good faith, yeah. right? Yeah. What if we put that on the blockchain? <laughs> yeah, essentially they, they say, <laughs> they say uh, rather than social
0: relationships of trust, yet many core economic activities, uh, such as building personal brands are built on persistent non-transferable relationships. Again, you could have just said, ah, well, I guess that means the whole realizing this web three was bullshit. We should never have tried it in the first place. It was a badly thought out idea and it always served to make, again, like, a couple banks rich. Uh, hmm. No, they have one weird trick to try to encode social relationships of trust on the blockchain and fix the financialized mess that is Web3. It's is also it... a reference to World of Warcraft.
3: Oh, fuck, man. Yeah, I, I I I hate these fucking nerds. I'm sorry, man. I... Do you want a little funny aside? <laughs> yes, please. My buddy,
1: when he was in Afghanistan, one of his soldiers, like, they pooled their money together, and they're, like we call bee hut. Like it's like a long house where you have like lots of beds where people would sleep in and, um, got like, there's this Polish company that sold satellite internet and he couldn't understand cause they were in the middle of nowhere. Why this dude wanted satellite internet so bad, but he convinced like the other guys in his bunk to a uh, bunk house to get, uh, to do like whatever the fucking insane fee was per month for satellite internet because he had a side hustle in 2009 XP grinding characters in world of Warcraft, even while deployed to Afghanistan <laughs> and then sell them on eBay so this kid was literally like out doing fucking foot patrols in the mountains of Wardak province and then coming back and just being like fighting orcs or whatever the fuck you do in World of Warcraft so that he could XP grind to the level and then sell that character to someone who like, didn't want to do that work. <laughs> and to me, I, I imagine that if that, 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 that soldier has either uh, died of substance abuse issues post leaving the military or is a crypto guy now. There is no in between.
3: That's the most American story I've ever heard
0: in <laughs> my life. <laughs> That's right. So. In this paper, uh, 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 Buterin and his co-authors say we illustrate how non-transferable or soul-bound tokens represent. So instead of NFTs,
1: soul-bound.
0: Yeah, it's bound to your soul. Also, instead of wallets, instead of now, instead of wallets, it's now called
1: souls. This sucks really bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this sucks so bad.
0: (laughs) So it says in this paper we illustrate how non-transferable soul-bound tokens representing the commitments, credentials, and affiliations of souls can encode the trust network of the real economy to establish provenance
3: and reputation. So so you, you get these like souls bound tokens to represent how long you've been doing this shit or like how many followers you have on social media or or, or. or
0: you could for example say what are the I love that like their use cases are always stuff like like things that just aren't, aren't a problem. Really? Where it's so like, you, like, look, you do instead like of a- getting, instead of getting a diploma from your university, you could get a token that you'd be unable to sell on. I
1: feel like if you just made it socially acceptable for people to walk around carrying buster swords, these guys would have normal <laughs> jobs and we would never have to hear this shit. <laughs> but like, because they, they feel as though there's something shameful about that. They've now found ways to work this into a thing that people are notionally supposed to care about.
0: Uh, so, like for example, right? Remember how uh, everyone said, "Oh, great! NFTs are going to democratize art," but then because they can be freely traded, and you kind of have no way of knowing where they come from. Yeah,
3: the the, yeah. the all my apes gone problem.
0: Yeah, well, uh, or, or also the the um, uh, the uh, uh, just sort of proliferation of fakes as well, right? Mm-hmm. Where I could be like, "Hey, this is this is the real Captain Tom Moore. It's a photo of Captain Tom Moore. I've uploaded." Captain Tom Moore uploaded it before he uh, was killed <laughs> by the British state by being sent to Barbados during COVID. Um, uh, yeah, so this is the real one of one, Captain Tom Moore, and you would know because the soul of Captain Tom Moore on the blockchain now that it's on the blockchain uh, would be in the constellation with other souls of his family, and so you'll know that that yeah, well, a, a scammer, Captain Tom Moore, would have put uh, you know. He he would he wouldn't be like friends with his like you know uh, uh, daughter and son and all this, uh, so mm-hmm. I know this is the real Captain Tom Soulbound NF, like, NFT that's selling me this this thing. So it's a way of it's a way of essentially saying, what if we took all of the things that where it just reproduced all of the stuff it was pr- it was uh, purporting to criticize? What if we just tweaked one bit of the functionality? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what if you had an Ethereum based? Ouija board, and you could commune with the soul of Captain Tom. And the way you knew that it was authentic was you had to listen for him to to speak to you through the the Ethereum Ouija board, which is also the reason why you can't buy a graphics card. And he basically <laughs> t- he would he would give you his key phrases that would let you know it was the genuine article, and they would be, "I'm racist, I <laughs> cheated on me wife, I've always been a Tory." <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. It, 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 that's just was his normal voice as well it's weird. Yeah. Uh, but what the, what I think is interesting, right, is because. They all, because this is the whole way of seeing the world, right, when you are the Ethereum Foundation, is that there is insufficient freedom, and we know that because there are insufficient transactions happening. If there more things were publicly available transactions, the more people would be able to express their freedom by transacting with one another based on perfect information. It's basically a Milton Friedman ideology. And so they were saying, yeah, one of the great things we could do with soul bound tokens by making, yeah, NFTs you can't sell, basically. Um, is that they will be reputational collateral. So, for example, you could, um, as you complete like programming tasks, then those programming tasks would accrue to your soul, your your spiritual human
3: essence, encoded on the blockchain. But if I had a little like thing of achievements that I yeah. could just, you know, it was just following. They're me trying.
2: Around. They're fucking. They're trying to like invent religion, but in a really, (laughs) because like there's, you know, it's, it's, I I don't know whether this is true for like every Abrahamic religion, but like one of the key kind of like tenant, well, one of the things you're taught when you're very young, when you go to like Islamic school is that all the sort of good deeds you do like translate into like bricks and those bricks, like build your house in heaven. It's like, it's very sort of like when George Lucas decided that he wanted to quantify the force in like the prequels, Uh, doing the whole like chlorian thing it's very much like in that vein and that was like not you know it was designed because it was like okay how do you sort of explain this like to children um this sort of feels like uh they are trying to do religion but for children but also to sort of like quantify Yeah, I don't know. It it feels like a very, you know, I'm just thinking because a lot of these guys are also just so obsessed with like, you know, the idea that, you know, of like living in godless societies and everything, but they're trying to kind of, they're desperately trying to like invent a religion, but they don't want to do all the kind of like moral philosophy. They just want to quantify everything.
1: This just feels like a hackathon where everyone involved doesn't realize they're dead, and they don't realize that it's <laughs> the hackathon is over, and they just keep fucking going and adding more to this <laughs> shit. And it's like no one has been able to explain to me like a use case where this whole concept would be better than the way things are done without a blockchain. And I've got one here. Oh, great!
0: Uh, which is <laughs> so. Right, why I said like all of your little like programming tasks that you do accrue to your spirit. And then, you know, that makes you sort of Baraka coin or whatever that makes you more uh, uh, worthy on on earth. And they say one of the examples of that is you could then do uncollateralized lending to that person based on everything they've ever done. And the more you can encode your entire social life onto the blockchain, the more credit worthy you can seem to. Coteries of people who will loan you fake internet money that no one uses.
1: The more you can XP grind in a shed in Afghanistan on Polish internet.
0: Yeah, it's basically it's saying, look, we wanted to build an economy where XP grinding was something you could do and it would be quantifiable and unchangeable. But the problem was that all of those things were too freely exchangeable, and so instead we need to like basically you have a digital twin that's just a blockchain wallet that stuff just accrues to. And then people can random to just decide to lend you money on the basis of what they see in your wallet.
1: I just love the idea, though, that everything about your work, everything about your employment history, like the tasks you've completed, everything about that is logged in such a way as to stick with you permanently. And people think, like, oh, this is a good idea. Like, let's be perfectly honest, a solid third to half of white collar workers like would have would would only achieve maximum stats on spent time in bathroom in terms of like how their employment history would be translated to the blockchain. And it's
3: like, why would anyone fall for this? Like, why? this just seems no one no one needs to is the thing. It's like it. A, 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 I think the thing is, this isn't Web 3.2 in the sense of oh, this is a fun new little tweak around the edge we can make to try and make it work. This is the, like, Alpine Redoubt, right? This is the last <laughs> fighting position <laughs> that, that crypto can come up with, is, oh, no, 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 there's, there's definitely, there's gotta be a use case for this. The
1: blockchain Berkta's garden, basically?
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what if, what, if the, what if the last use case was time spent going to the bathroom coin?
0: <laughs> and so they, say, they even say, look, To be sure, there are dystopian scenarios to consider. (laughs) To be sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's say, for example, uh, they say like regulatory capture could be codified in in community tokens where, say, homeowners have disproportionate voting power and stall housing construction. So they were in like, yeah, they nimbified the whole thing.
1: I wonder what it would be like if that happened.
0: Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Or uh, soulbound tokens could automate redlining.
3: Again, I wonder what it would like if that that happened. What a
1: dystopia. Imagine living in that.
0: Yeah.
3: So, because like, all of the all of these problems are like problems they're envisioning, which would require a huge amount of success to get there. Like, <laughs> th- th- they would have to replace traditional centralized banking finance.
0: I get and then, that the- and then
3: it might do the same problems that regular finance already does.
0: Well, I think the dream is always that by presenting people with the freer version of society that's based on infinite transactions that it will be so manifestly what people prefer that the all of the le- sort of legacy banks will say just fold because no one will transact yeah, yeah, with them sure. anymore
3: and then they're going to abolish restaurants yeah. whatever
0: <laughs> but that that's the that is of course the like that's the, the 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 theory underpinning like this entire thing right where they're asking what they're going to do when they finally take over society and they still don't realize that they are that they are a token for the parting of suckers with their money and giving it back to JP Morgan Hmm. Um, they say we call this pluralistic ecosystem decentralized society, a co-determined <laughs> sociality where souls and communities come together bottom up as emergent properties of each other to co-create plural network goods and intelligences.
3: Um, Can you imagine if your society <laughs> were decentralized?
0: You couldn't. Yeah, you
2: couldn't ha- You couldn't have the Joker on the blockchain because he relies too much on a centralized society.
3: All of
1: this once again just seems like you, if you had told me, oh, psych, this was actually an AI-generated text Mm -hmm. that I was just fooling you guys with for this whole episode, I would believe you.
0: Yeah, that would be fun. uh, But no, I'm afraid it was generated by an actual I. Uh, Well, that's very dubious. (laughs) But they say, right, like once you solve these problems, right, once you, once you, because you realize, ah, well, we tried to create this trustless world of no institutions, and then oopsie-daisy. Uh, by making the entire universe of your life center on the idea of transacting, it became hyper-financialized and unusable. They said, OK, finally, now it's going to take this to make all of this DeFi stuff, all this Web3 stuff, actually able to support activities that are just ubiquitous in the real world, like signing an apartment lease. They were like, this was the thing, not everything else, not the fundamental theory. And, you know, I mean, as as much as it is, there is some schadenfreude in seeing you know, all of these things basically fall over, and there is some schadenfreude in it. Uh, Again, you're just like, well, um, a smaller number of people are going to be suckered by the promise that, oh, it's going to work now.
1: I don't necessarily know if it's even schadenfreude, because I feel like schadenfreude implies that you're just taking pleasure in someone's misery, but they don't deserve it. I feel like these guys definitely deserve it. This is just freude. (laughs) Like, I I was going to... I wanted to ask Hussein this question specifically, but please, everyone, everyone weigh in. Hmm. So I used to write for my high school paper a long, long time ago. I started high school in 1999. I graduated in 2003. None of my articles, my like sort of columns that I wrote as a high schooler, are still available online. If they ever were yeah. available online in on the very, very primitive web 1.0 website my high school newspaper might have had, they're no longer there. I don't. I would be surprised if any of the columns I wrote for my college newspaper are still online. If they are, they're they're, they're deeply, deeply buried. I'm very grateful for that because. I would be embarrassed by some of the dumb shit that I said when I was 17, 18 years old. Genuinely, I would be embarrassed by the dumb shit that I said when I was in my early 20s. And I am grateful that those, you know, some of my early bylines don't exist anymore, for example. Mm. The last thing on earth that I would want is every single thing that I have ever done in terms of professional employment, accomplishments, things along those lines to be tied to me, easily accessible. And Hussein, I know you've worn like a million hats in your journalistic career. Like, do you feel the same way? Because to me, like the idea of this, this seems like I feel as though I've escaped this fate by the skin of my teeth, but everyone else who. Might be socialized into a world where even just like one, you know, one one hundredth of this shit that Riley's just read becomes the norm. That sounds
2: horrifying. yeah. I mean, like me. I'm pretty sure some of my like columns of slurs that I wrote for the retailed Gazette <laughs> were still no. Actually, you know what? This kind of like so there are you know because before um I you know part of, I, I I've talked about this on the show about how like um you know uh it, it you know for, like for lots of people who kind of find themselves like becoming interested and engaging with like leftist politics, it didn't sort of come natural. It came as like a result of sort of getting fired from like multiple job, like getting let go from multiple jobs, and you know. So before, like, I wasn't always kind of like someone who would identify on the left, and like there are certainly columns or like articles that I wrote for my student newspaper where, like, you know, including one that I think was like supportive of uh, Western intervention in Syria, um, which like they exist, and if people and like people have sent them to me and they've tried to do like this you, um, and like. You know, it hasn't really sort of had the effect that they wanted, which I guess is the reason why they've stopped for now. Although, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it if if those uh, ones emerged again. But yeah, it's not for me. It's like a broadly broad inconvenience because, like, thankfully, being a professional clown, I somehow now have like some like career security, but. I think for like younger people who work in media, but also just like younger people generally who are like writing online because that's the only thing you can really do to sort of express like dissatisfaction and stuff. Like the idea of, you know, that's already tied to you, right? Like people are already finding that people are already sort of, developing an idea of who you are like a composite character of you based on most things and as we've sort of spoken about on the show and as i speak about on like 10k posts, like from time to time um quite often those composite characters tend to be more definitive in like bigger aspects of your life than you would like to and every time i hear like you know crypto stuff and crucially, people kind of making the use case for crypto being, oh, you know, this is, like, an uneditable, like, you know, ledger where, like, you know, uh, every everything you do online will be, like, recorded, which means that you'll be, you know, you're presenting your true authentic self. It's like, no, that's horrible. That's, like, not only sort of, like, an- like antithetical to, like... That's the thing that religions threaten you right. with. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, that's why I like the right to be forgotten. Yeah. I-, I think it's part of the reason why everyone is so insane yeah. now is because we all have to act as if we've always held a consistent ideology we've never been hypocrites we've never been wrong and been ever very good Yeah and it. crucially
2: as like people who are kind of you know especially like I think people like us who have like a certain kind of small degree of celebrity but definitely people who are like on you know broader levels like the fact that like people do genuinely think that you are like the online character that you sort of present yourself as and they get like genuinely offended like some people getting like genuinely offended and disappointed but like you are not the character that you appear to be online right or they get very confused when they sort Mm. of confront you and like oh you're a normal person like that's really disappointing like you know like i find that very funny but like if you sort of extend that for like more periods it's like yeah having this expectation that like you are this kind of curated character that like platforms Um, incentivize online and that you sort of have to live up to in order to sort of maintain a very basic level of income in this extremely precarious economic climate like that's a lot of pressure to put on people but it's also like incredibly inhuman and i think and i'll like end this i'll end my kind of rant at this point like i think that like um, all the kind of like these sorts of you making these sorts of use cases for blockchain and web free and everything like this sort of being how tech guys like define authenticity is really just like just the um, it, it, it's really just entrenching this idea that like organic human interaction and reception and compassion and empathy that comes with that like is now completely obsolete. And like ultimately you are judged by like how you curate yourself at all times.
0: Well, the other thing that it makes completely obsolete, as well as all of that, is interiority. Mm. You, know, you, you are not your interior. Li- you are not anything about your interior life. You are purely what is uh, recordable as you might say, XP grinding. Whether mm. that's stuff you've thought or JavaScript tutorials you've done. What if we or... made
3: real life as miserable as MMOs? Yeah. Well, that seems to be what the. Like, like, Vitalik
0: Buterin was so burned by MMOs that he's decided to make real life into
3: one. He is and, the joker.
0: And effectively, right, like what it's saying is, well, it's a vision of truth telling and authenticity that says everything about you has to be public yeah, and searchable exactly. and decomposable, but also decomposable by, say, potential employers. So because what happens, I think the thing to always remember is that when information is about you and people comparable to you is taken and aggregated then the person who has access to that information and can slice it up as they choose then has power over you in a very meaningful way and what the what the web3 2.2 promise seems to be is by trying to force a lot of this information to the surface from everyone by making it by and again the utopian dream that they have is to make everyone sort of have to disclose all this stuff all the time to be able to just say transact and live normally because they want these ubiquitous uh, uh, activities like signing an apartment lease to be through their system, is what that's asking for is, is the total obliteration of any kind of interiority in favor of uh, the ability to be perfectly researched by anyone who uh, has the wherewithal
1: to do it. It's basically granting like the, you know the, the capabilities of quote tweeting and saying this you to the eye of sauron <laughs> and it's basically like oh you claim to be against homophobia but in 2010 your display name on the apple games portal was a fat gay man <laughs> so you know what <laughs> i feel as though you i have no right to comment and it's just there's a part of me that also wonders if the the logical follow-up to this would be people just really not caring at all <laughs> you know what i mean like like the opposite of rather people rather than people being way more circumspect it's just being like normalizing the things that we are trying to discourage you know in yeah. our society we kind of yeah you know and mean? we like,
2: and we're kind of sort of seeing that with like you know i don't want to bring up like the culture wars but just like even sort of like the cancel culture backlash and everything um and how that's sort of being used and leveraged by certain people to kind of advance like Uh, types of behavior and language that is like, you know, really like, you know, slurs and like offenses and stuff and trying to frame them in ways that are like, oh, you know, it's a joke or uh, like, you know, do, do you know what I mean? Just like, you know, we're sort of seeing kind of, we're sort of seeing that type of backlash emerge from a particular sector. So it's kind of like what we're actually seeing is not necessarily like the eradication of like, you know, cancel culture or eradication of like this type of like surveillance, but rather like seeing one side Uh, with like a lot of power and with like tech behind them and like fully supportive of them getting to sort of like define what that territory is. And because they have like the power and resources, again, as we've spoken about earlier on at a time when like state power and like, you know, state institutions are like on the brink of collapse they can sort of define like what acceptable language is uh yeah the cops stop you and they issue you with uh, the
3: shoplifting spt that's right and
2: and, and it happened like and it just so happens that like the acceptable behaviors and language and so on are like extremely compatible with like asset size services that uh render everything to be transactional Mm
0: -hmm. um so i i think uh i'm gonna pull it to a close roughly there um and then to wish our uh, dear, sweet, stricken colleague, Milo, a very, um, fond, please stop shitting. Mm-hmm. Um, we hope- <laughs> Just in
1: general.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah go, too, go too far in the, in the other direction and go bolster the arm Mode.
1: Never shit again, Milo. Never <laughs> shit again.
3: This sort of, uh, forgotten, more Bond movie.
1: But in order to, uh, to perform the role of Milo Edwards tonight- American Milo Edwards. I can only say we have a Patreon. It's five dollars a month. Gets you a bunch of content. You also have Britnology and a second Britnology available on the Forbidden ten dollars tier. Uh, thank you so much for being listeners. Thank you so much Milo, for supporting us. Milo, do you
3: have us. any uh, any tour dates?
1: Uh, I, I I I do. I am, am completing a world tour of between my bed and the toilet.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, he's gonna be uh, driving his he's gonna be driving his beloved car uh, slowly up and down Mare Street. Um, and also, I want to say something I've forgotten to do for a while is to thank uh, Ginseng for the use of our theme song, Here We Go. You can find it on Spotify. If you're wondering what it is, that's what it is. And I'm going to try to remember to start referencing it every episode now.
1: And so now we close with Here We Go by Jinseng. Thank you for listening.